Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about faith. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know about what's happening at our church this summer. Due to COVID-19 and everything surrounding it, our services have moved outside. God has blessed our church with an incredible seven acres in North Wilsonville, and someday we'll have a building there. But in the meantime, it's a perfect solution for us to have church during all that's going on in our world. We would love to have you join us. And so if you want the information about what our services look like this summer, you can go to wilsonville.church slash property gathering. That's wilsonville.church slash property gathering. We would love for you to join us for one of these outdoor services. They're going to be fun. They're going to be different. It's going to be an exciting summer. And so we hope that you'll consider joining us. We'd love to meet you in person. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon. I really do hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I mentioned in my sermon last week that I worry a lot. Uh, I said it kind of as a compliment to myself, like, I don't, it was like, I worry a lot, but I don't fear a lot. It was kind of like that, and that wouldn't be so embarrassing of an admission uh, if I wasn't preaching on this this morning, on this topic of worry, because because we're going to see here that really the anecdote to worry is faith, and, uh, and, and just like fear and faith don't go together, really what we're going to see is that a bigger faith equals a smaller level of worry, smaller worry. Uh, I'm going to ask a question, actually, have you put your hand up? You can write yes if you're watching online at home. Uh, who here worries? Yeah, I, I thought it would be everybody. The kids aren't raising their hands, and that might be true, but everybody else uh, agrees. And so it's like one of these sermons where I don't have to talk you into to thinking that this is an important subject for you because we all worry, and we all worry more than we want to worry. And that's what we're going to see this morning, a way out of that worry But before we get there, let me just remind you of our definition of faith in this series. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see from Hebrews 11.1. And what we're going to see in this story, again, is that bigger faith equals smaller worry. And at the very end, I'm going to talk about some ways that you can grow your faith uh, in order to shrink your worry. Here's how it begins, this story in the book of Luke. Luke 12.22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. To me, it's one of the most interesting commands in all of Scripture because it's, first of all, not one of the big normal things that you think of. You know, as Christians, we we cling to some of the big ones and, and, you know, things that we know we should never do that we're taught from the time we're really little. But a command to not worry, uh, that's not something that I grew up with. I I never heard that, that Jesus said that. I never was told that I shouldn't worry. But the other interesting thing difficult thing about this command to me is that it seems almost impossible to live out like great jesus just told me not to worry which uh you know induces some level of worry inside of me i actually was really stressed uh while i was working on my sermon uh because of i don't know something a bill had come out or something like that you know just a normal life thing and and i was like actually worried and i'm like typing these words about not worrying it it feels kind of ridiculous uh worry is just a part of life it's almost an impossible command to obey but the other interesting thing is uh, on the good side is that it you know of all the commands in the bible this is one that like i think we could get full agreement on whether you're a christian or you're not a christian 
you'd like to obey this command. Yeah, sure, I, I don't want to worry. Like, it's not like, you know, Jesus says don't lie, and you think, but sometimes I really could use a lie or two to get out of trouble or whatever. It's like, hey, I never want to worry. I never want to worry. I always want to obey this command. And here's what's cool. What follows here is not like a theological treatise on on you know, why we shouldn't worry, how it doesn't fit with the nature of God or anything like that. It's actually, instead of that, as with a lot of the commands, I think, in Scripture, maybe this is an overlooked part of how we read the Bible, maybe we miss this, but it isn't followed by uh, Jesus calling us to try harder not to worry. It's actually followed by a list of reasons that we don't have to worry. And I think that's much better. If Jesus said, don't worry, let me tell you why, and I need you to try harder and work more at not worrying. That would stress me out. But instead, Jesus takes our attention off of the kind of the negative side. Don't worry. And he places it on all of these, these positive things that really help us to not worry. Here's what it says. Uh, Luke 20, uh, 12, 23 through 28. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? At the risk of taking away from the beauty of Jesus' words, I just I want to give you three bullet points uh, for, from Jesus' words here on like what Jesus says about how we can worry less, why we should worry less. He, he really gives us three kind of big ideas that I think are so valuable, especially if we struggle with worry. And, and I've taught on, on Jesus' words in Matthew about worry a lot, primarily because I worry and I just need to remember these things and think about them. And so let me give you the, the kind of three big bullet points first of all god feeds the birds every time i said that or wrote that down this week i thought of mary poppins but god feeds the birds and and he he clothes the flowers of the field uh the the implication is so clear if god is taking care of the birds and the flowers then surely he is going to take care of you he's going to take care of you in matthew 5 45 it says he causes his son this is jesus talking about the father he causes his son to rise on evil on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous in other words god takes care of the people he created even if they're evil whether you're a christian or you're not a christian then you can trust you can lessen your worry by knowing that god is going to take care of you and that's that's actually propped up that's moved forward in in jesus kind of second point jesus says we are inherently valuable we are more valuable than the birds not long ago i i preached on kind of how jesus talked about this in the series you matter uh, if you missed that series, man, just go listen to my series called You Matter. And, and I say that because it was so influential for people. I, I heard such good things that I know it made a difference. And so I, I would hope you'd listen to that because here's the reality, and I think we forget this, and maybe our culture tells us it's not true. Uh, you have inherent value and worth because God created you in his image and his likeness. We as Christians 
must believe, if we're going to stay faithful to the word of God, that we are valuable. We're more valuable than birds. And it's not because of anything we've done to earn that value. It's not because, you know, who, who raised us or, you know, what we've done with our lives, how much success we've had. It's because God created us well. And, and after he created us, he looked at us and, and he looked at creation. He said, this is good. We are valuable. We matter because God created us. And God proved that in what we call the gospel. That after we had sinned, we had rejected God, we would become enemies of God. God didn't say, well, you're no longer valuable anymore. But instead he said, I value you so much that I'm going to come from heaven to earth to die on a cross to save you from your sins. Even though we were we were, uh, we were separated from God by our own choices. Even though we were tainted by our own sin, our value persisted and God proved it by saying, I will go and I will save them. And in fact, in 1 Peter 2.4, if you're saying in your head, well, I'm too bad, that can't apply to me. 1 Peter 2.4 says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants you and everybody else to come into a relationship with him by believing that Jesus died for your sins, for our sins. That proves our value. And it is true of every single person, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a person of faith or not, that is a true statement for you. God has proved your value by dying for your sins. But what I'm going to say next doesn't apply uh, if you're not a Christian, what, what, what Romans 8.28 says only applies if you are a Christian. Because once we've entered into a relationship with God through faith, all of a sudden there are these promises that come with it. And my favorite, especially as it pertains to worry, is Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We don't have to worry because, because we, we look at God and we know he values us. And as Christians, we have this incredible promise that says, no matter what happens, whether it's the thing that I, I'm scared of or not scared of, whatever happens, God is working it for my good. You know, I can't say that in my life I've been able to, you know, anecdotally prove every promise of the scripture of the Bible but I can tell you that this one has proved true over and over and over again. When things happen that I desperately did not want to happen, there has never been a moment in my uh, life where I can't look back and say, God used that for my good. He used it actually for my best. Uh, even though I didn't want to go through it, I prayed that I wouldn't go through it. I desperately tried to avoid it. God worked it for my good. Bullet point number three is... Uh, very practical in nature and worry doesn't help i mean that's what jesus says like you can't even add an hour to your life by worrying and so why do you why do you worry you can't uh, you can't do anything through worry worry has no value worry doesn't do any good for anybody now let me just be super clear here let's just let's just get this out there and make this super clear seeking advice helps planning helps hard work helps prayer helps Jesus isn't against all of those things. I mean, Jesus isn't saying like, oh, just, you know, just pretend that nothing ever matters and you don't have to do anything. I mean, seeking advice, planning, hard work, prayer, they all help. But worrying about things does no good. When I've preached on this in the past, I've talked about how worry actually makes our, wor our lives significantly worse. There's tons of scientific data that 
that shows this. I mean, from heart problems to lack of sleep to depression. I mean, worry is connected to almost everything we try to avoid in life. And Jesus says it doesn't work. It's not going to help you. It's not going to keep you alive longer. So why do it at all? Uh, after I preached a series called Flowers and Birds on, on kind of a similar, the, the corresponding words of Jesus in the book of Matthew, uh, somebody left a response card, and it was just a little uh, just a little anecdote, and it was Sharon. Sharon, if you're watching, hi, thank you for this. Um, she, she wrote on the note, worry works, 90% of the things I worry about never happen. And I've seen this other places, and that is the reality. Most of what we worry about never transpires, but we definitely, we know logically that worrying about it isn't fixing it at all. And here's the part that I've overlooked in the past, what, what Jesus says next in Luke 12, 28. He says, you of little faith. At the end of these points about worrying, Jesus utters kind of this negative thing. You of little faith. And what it teaches us is what I've already said is, is the main idea this morning. It teaches us this, that bigger faith equals smaller worry. Bigger faith equals smaller worry. A few weeks ago, we looked at a story where Jesus called a man's faith great. There's another story where he says basically the same thing about a woman. And, the, and this, that story, those stories teach us that great faith comes from knowing that we are not worthy, but God is trustworthy. That's how I said it a few weeks ago. Great faith comes from knowing that we are not worry, worthy, but God is trustworthy, especially because of his power and authority. But this word, this idea, this, this thing about Jesus being trustworthy, about God being trustworthy, it's at the heart of worry and why we do it. We don't trust God. We don't think that God is trustworthy. It begs this question, what is little faith? If Jesus called somebody's faith great, now he calls somebody's faith little. I mean, what is little faith? In the Gospels, this word is used five times. Once in our story, four times in Matthew. Uh, it's a single word, little faith, in, in the Greek. Uh, in Greek. And, and here's what's so interesting about it. Three of the four times it's used in Matthew, it's connected to worry or fear. Worry or fear. I think of all those, uh, those other verses, the one that really that helps us understand what a little faith is the best is the story of Peter walking on water. So here's the situation. Jesus is walking on water in a storm. He's coming up on the boat. His closest friends are, are on this boat. And one of the disciples, a guy named Peter, is like, I want to go out to Jesus. I want to come out to you, Jesus. And so G uh, Peter comes out onto the water and he is in a physical, literal way, walking on water. That's pretty crazy, right? And we would all say, I think each and every one of us would say in that moment that Peter's faith is probably bigger than our faith, right? Like that's how I, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty large faith to get out of a boat on a, on a you know, giant lake with a storm going on. I mean, that's, that's a very big faith. And then we read in Matthew 14, 31, immediately, Oh, Peter gets scared, and then immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, and he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, if I'm Peter, I'm like, no, you know who has little faith? All the guys on the boat right now. That's who has, my faith is way bigger. I'm out on the water right now. But Jesus says that his faith is little. And listen to Luke 17, 6, because I think to understand little faith, we need to know this verse. Is Jesus talking and he says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. 
So Jesus even says even like a little teeny little tiny little faith results in huge things. Here's the deal. Little faith, little faith isn't about the overall quality of your faith. Uh, when Jesus says you have little faith to Peter, it isn't representative of Peter's faith as a whole. Little faith is demonstrative of, of how much or how little we trust Jesus in certain areas of our life. It's about how much or how little, how little when it comes to little faith, we don't trust Jesus in certain areas of our life. Here's the deal I think that, that we all need to understand. Probably all of us have little faith in certain areas of our lives. Little places, things that we don't trust God to take care of us in. And the reality is that's probably the areas that we worry about the most. Here's Peter walking on water, but all of a sudden he gets a little scared. He doesn't trust Jesus to keep him above the waves. And so in that moment, his faith was small. His faith was small. I saw these bullet points about little faith, and, and they're worth repeating. Uh, little faith worries about the things of life. Little faith fears death. Little faith focuses on distractions. Little faith focuses on the physical over the spiritual. Little faith forgets the Lord's promises. And I think that we all have areas of our lives where those things are true. I mean, have you ever wondered if God was going to provide for you? Then maybe if you worried in that area, then maybe that was a little faith. Have you ever under, uh, just wrestled with, with whether or not God was actually working something to your good? Then maybe you can see an area of your life where you have a little faith. But what we see here is that as our faith grows, as our faith grows, our worry lessens, we begin to trust God in more and more areas. Not like a greater level in our overall you know, faith kind of life and how we live by faith, but we begin to trust Jesus in more areas of our life as our faith grows. Luke 20, 12, 29 through 31 says, this is Jesus continuing, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Uh, faith is required for all of this. I mean, he says, set your heart basically on things above. That's how it's said in the book of Colossians. Set your heart on things above, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What Jesus says is that our focus should not be on the things we worry about. Instead, it should be on expanding the kingdom of God. It should be on helping people know the story of the gospel and accept it as true that Jesus loved sinners and came to die for their sins. And it should be about helping other people live more fully for the glory of God. And it should be about us being more and more obedient to God in our own personal lives. We should be focused on the kingdom moving forward and not on our next paycheck or, you know, the things that we worry about. Uh, that's what Jesus is saying here. And he, he says that if we'll focus on these things, then, then the things we need will be given to us as well. Uh, I think this is a true reality. I think what Jesus says, I can see it around me. You can tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong later. But the more we focus on bettering our situation, the more we worry about improving our lives here on earth, the more we actually worry the more we worry I, I i we watched aladdin on friday night out here the live action one uh, our our first drive-in thing was just incredible and awesome and we had a good time but the thing i i like kind of the the most um 
redemptive part of the story of Aladdin is that the, the genie from the beginning of that story, as soon as he meets Aladdin, he tells him exactly what's going to happen. He says, he says, the more that you have, the more that you're going to want to have. And Aladdin's like, no, that's not me. I, I'm going to use my wish to set you free. You probably know the story. Uh, but, but the genie knows, because he's seen it before, that the more a person obtains, the more stressed out they are about obtaining more. And here Jesus cuts right through it all and says, if you'll just focus on my kingdom, if your faith allows you to focus on my kingdom, then the worries of the world will be lessened because it's not your focus anyway. So if a bigger faith equals lesser worry, then the question needs to become, how do we grow our faith? And Jesus doesn't talk about that here, but, but I, I want to offer you just a few things from uh, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, first, I would say this, uh, and this isn't from him, but you have to have a faith. And if you're not a Christian, if you uh, haven't given your life to Jesus, then you absolutely need to give your life to Jesus. Uh, I think that you will spend your whole life worrying about what people think and uh, where your your food is coming from and all of the, you know, the, what you know how you look and your success and just all of these things. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, you're never going to overcome worry. And so begin a faith, start a faith, accept Jesus as your Savior. But if you've done that, uh, then here's five things. If you're the right things down kind of person, I actually changed the language of this to, uh, to alliterate them and uh, but, uh, but these are Charles Spurgeon's kind of ideas. The first thing he said is feed faith. Uh, read the Bible. You know that. But listen to sermons. Go to church. Keep coming to church. Read Christian books that help you develop your faith. Spend time on feeding your faith. Follow faith. What does that mean? That means be around others with a strong faith. If you're not spending time with people who have a better faith than you, th then it's going to be really difficult for you to grow in your faith. And so find people that have a stronger faith with you to spend time with. Make sure you get in one of our online digital small groups this fall because you'll probably find people who have a bigger faith, at least in certain areas of life in those groups. Focus on faith. In every, every moment that you can possibly think about your faith, just try to do it. Try to, try to live out your faith in little situations. When you're having a conversation with your spouse, when you're, when you're at work and a co-worker's a jerk to you, try to remember what your faith would call you to do. Flex your faith. Uh, go through trials and continue to stand firm. I know we don't want trials, but we're living through one giant trial, it seems like, right now. Stand firm in the midst of this. Persevere in the midst of this, and you will grow and your faith, and then face faith, commune with Jesus, pray without ceasing, focus on Christ throughout your day. I would offer these five things to grow your faith, and I would hope that you would put them into practice because a bigger faith equals a smaller worry. That's it. I'm going to pray because it's like 5,000 degrees, and uh, we'll sing one more song and be done. Lord Jesus, I thank you for, uh, you, you know, the people are out here with me today for me to preach to. Thank you for those watching online right now, God. I just, I don't know why I'm thinking of this now, but I'm just, the things we've faced this summer, uh, moving gravel and facing bees and uh, trying to get rid of poison oak and all of these things, Lord, but we're still meeting in your presence and I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that today you would take my words that you've given me the opportunity to preach to people online and in person and you would use them, God, to help people grow their faith and worry less. For anybody, God, that's not a Christian that's watching, that's here, I pray, God, that they would give themselves to you, that they would believe the story of the gospel that I've told this morning, and they would embrace it, God, as true 
And then, God, they would commit themselves to you. They would, they would cry out to you as their Lord and Savior, God. And I pray that this morning they would repent of their sins and follow you forevermore. I pray, God, for those of us that do worry, that struggle with worry, that you would help us to grow our faith in whatever area it is that we have little faith in, God. And I ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.